from America. You're listening to the Hip Hop Patriots. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. The guy who introduced me was not wrong. You are listening to Live from America with your ever-so-humble, God-fearing, and God-loving host, Jeremy Harrell, the hip-hop patriot. And we're here to save America, ladies and gentlemen. That's the entire reason for the show, patriotism, the gospel, saving America, saving our society, saving our traditions. And thank you guys very, very much for joining in for both hours of Live from America today. I know it's Memorial Day. I know you got family over. I know you guys are sitting around with your families and and, and remembering people that might have died and and fought and died for you, uh, for all of us from your family. Uh, If you have, uh, you know, family members that went to war, I want to thank you so very much. I want to uh, tell you how much I appreciate it. I've had many family members of mine go to war and not come back as well. And we're all here because of their sacrifice. And a lot of people have been saying, I've been hearing a lot of people say lately, why do we say Happy Memorial Day if it's not a happy thing that people go and die? And um, I understand what they're saying. I really do. 100% understand what they're saying. And what they're saying is not wrong. It's not wrong or right. It's a matter of perspective. I tend to say Happy Memorial Day because I think that those folks put everything on the line for us so that we can continue our traditions, our way of life, have our freedom, have our family, have our homes, have our pursuit of happiness. And I think that's exactly what they would want us to have. You know when somebody in your family uh, dies and and, uh, you, you kind of have a celebration of life at the funeral rather than a mourning of them passing. And then you say to yourself, or you say to somebody in your family member, they wouldn't want us to be sad. They'd want us to remember the good times. That's the way I look at Memorial Day. Um, and I, I, I don't compare it to the death of Jesus, but I do say I compare it to Good Friday. We say Good Friday, right? Well, there's nothing really good about Jesus being tortured or uh, you know killed and murdered. But why he did it was good. And I do believe that why men and women sign up to go to the military um, is, is, is to ultimately fight for us for good. And fight away evil to preserve good. And I believe that's why we say Happy Memorial Day. But again, I'm not right nor wrong. It's just my perspective on how I, uh, how I say things. Uh, my volume is up all the way and it isn't loud enough. Huh. Well, let me see here. I actually can test that theory right now, real quick. It's not wrong or right. It's a matter of... Well, it sounds like it's okay to me. Uh, I always watch my feeds on many different computers and and devices, just so that I can make sure that everything is okay. Um, I will check real quick, if you'd like me to. I will check my... uh, Let me just just look here. Let me make sure that we're good and golden. Let's uh, pull up the... All right, here we go. You were right. How about now? <laughs> How about now? Let's see if that works. Let's let's pop this down quick. Now let's kind of test that out again, shall we? To the death of Jesus, but I do 
We're going to just, we're just doing a little bit of testing here. And while we are doing testing, folks, I'm just changing the volume levels. But while we are, while we are doing testing, uh, I do want to continue with saying that that is why we say, uh, that's why I think we say Happy Memorial Day. Uh, Terry says, doing found just here. Let's see, uh, loud and clear here. I'm sorry for your loss. Wallace, 1990, prayers for you and your family. Uh, C. Teller says, I hear you fine. Um, volume is perfect. Uh, Alicia White says, thank you very much, Alicia, by the way. Behind says, it's a little low. Um, so I just want to make sure. Let's see here. Let's put this down a little bit. I don't want to get too high on you because I know I got a loud voice. All right, loud and clear. Okay, so let's let's move on. Let's mo- let's move along here. Um, so thank you to all who have um, who have died. Thank you for sacrifice. Thank you for those in your family who've sacrificed. And uh, yes, it would be great if we all had our family members back alive and well. But uh, we do have to remember that they've what they put on the line for all of us. So. Having said that, folks, I think we should say hello to some people here online. I've already said uh, hello to a few uh, people just by reading comments. Daryl DK says, sound is good. Uh, JRock86 says, testing, folks. Brian says, better. Hi, Jeremy. How you doing, Brian? Good to see you, man. Country Boy Truck from South Carolina joining in. Casey Maga, I got to play the bagpipes on Memorial Day. I lost my hearing. I would love to hear you play the bagpipes. That'd be awesome. Maybe you could send me a video on Telegram or Instagram. That would be great. Uh, Paul Etter, or Paul Etter says, hello from South Dakota. God bless America. So thankful for those who died for our freedoms. We have to make sure they don't die in vain and keep America free. Uh, thank you very much for, for chiming in there. I appreciate that. Uh, who else we got here? Gail Craddy says, hi, Jeremy from Ocala, Florida is in the house. God bless America. And, uh, Mary, the, Mary says, sounds good. Let's see some more folks. I'd like to. Uh, I had my earbuds in. Holy crap. Blast my ears. <laughs> Here you find. Great. Good to see you. Thank you very much. And uh, give a couple more shout outs. Uh, Brownie1264 says Pennsylvania in the house. And since Pennsylvania is in the house, folks, go to audittheVotePA.com. Okay? AuditTheVotePA.com. While I give a shout out to Debbie Gray Widman. Debbie Gray Widman, happy Memorial Day. Uh, thank you very much for joining in and giving me an hour of your time to watch the show. And uh, I do want to let you guys know, we got about 2,000 people watching right now. For some odd reason, the Rumble app will not replay the videos like the browser on your phone or the desktop does. So if you're having a problem watching Live from America on the Rumble app, if you're using the Rumble app, please just go to rumble.com on your browser. It'll allow you to watch the video uh, it allows you to live chat if you're doing it live or if you're doing the video live as well. Um, I just think that when they did all of these upgrades to the site, they haven't really transferred that upgrade over to the app yet. Uh, you can watch the app live, which is what I'm doing on one of my devices right now. However, um, when it comes to watching the replay of the of the video, it doesn't um, it doesn't work for some reason. But I think they'll fix that. I'm, I'm sending an email to their team as well. Melissa says, check your IG messages. I will do so right after the show. Thank you very much. And I'd like to give a shout out uh, to Alyssa Warner. She made some great tie-dye American shirts. Check this out. And I'm going to take them home. And I think there's enough in there for the whole family to wear them. She sent a whole bunch of them, but check these out. 
red, white, and blue tie-dye shirts just in time for 4th of July. Thank you so very much, Alyssa Warner. And also thank you for the donation, too. That was very kind of you. It helps um, the growth of the show, as you know, and I do appreciate that. So, uh, same, with, same with anything that you buy off uh, my pillow or anything that you buy at my store. Every penny goes to making the show bigger and better. I'd also like to thank Linda Wardell for the books and the letter. Thank you so very much. A lot of books in there. I appreciate that. Thank you for the letter and the donation as well. It all goes to good use. I would also like to ask for prayers, folks. For a good friend of mine and a dedicated uh, viewer of Live from America, somebody that I had the op opportunity to meet in Virginia, Deborah Yoakum. She's having surgery, and I just would like to uh, ask all of you to keep Deborah in your prayers for her upcoming surgery. Doesn't matter what you're going in for. If you're going under the knife, it's scary, and it uh, causes a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, and then, of course, a lot of... Uh, a lot of physical issues afterwards. So we're going to pray for you, Deborah. It was an honor to meet you and your sister in Virginia. You two were wonderful. You you uh, you stayed out in the sweltering hot sun all day just to watch the show. And you're truly, truly loved. So God bless you. And um, <clears throat> having said that, folks, it is time to turn our attention and our love and our honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. Push this down here real quick. And read from Jesus Calling like we do every night. On the evening show, Monday through Friday, here on Live from America. So today, May 31st, year of our Lord, 2021, reading from the evening version of Jesus Calling says this. And please, have your Bibles out, because when, um, when we go to the verses, it's great to be able to, to turn your Bibles to those verses. And I'll tell you, I'll give you an opportunity beforehand from now on, instead of doing it right at the time, so... Uh, Matthew 18.4 is the first one. So if you have your Bibles with you, go to Matthew, New Testament, 18.4. Uh, the more you manipulate and maneuver for control, the more anxious you become. Rather than striving for peace of mind through these means, abandon yourself to me. My hand is the only thing you can grasp without damaging your soul. Let me help you open your hands and receive all that I have for you. Now, folks, before I move on, you got to understand something here about our relationship with God. God wants the very best for you. God wants to give you all of your heart's desires. Maybe not in the way you think you want them, but he will fulfill them. God wants to give you everything that you were made for, all the opportunities that you were made for. He gave you, he's given you special skills to be able to maneuver through life and be able to become successful and help other people in the process. Everything that you've ever needed or wanted, God has for you and he wants to give it to you. That's the great thing about his mercy. That's the great thing about his blessings. That's the great thing about his grace. It's free. It is free of charge. You cannot gain more of it by doing more works. God's gift is free. Now you look at other religions, and I won't, and I won't even say other religions. Look at just religions. Christianity is not a religion, by the way. Look at religion. Every religion on this earth is a works-based religion, meaning you have to trade something for something in return. In Christianity, it's free. It's a hundred percent free, and that's the grace of God, folks. Okay. Um, so it's pulling from Matthew eighteen four, which is therefore whoever humbles himself as this little child, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. 
Also, from Isaiah 41.13, says, For I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand, and says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. Do not fear, I will help you. Strap on that armor of God and believe, folks. Everything is right there. And before you turn out the light tonight, to receive my peace, unclench your tightened fist and grasp my hand in childlike dependence. Most of us don't remember what it's like to have childlike dependence. Most of us don't remember what it's like to know that mommy and daddy got you. But ladies and gentlemen, daddy got you. Everything's going to be good, okay? Please join with me in saying the Lord's Prayer, followed up by a prayer for Deborah. And you know how we do it here on Live from America, folks. Number one, we share the video out to as many people as possible. And get as many eyeballs and eardrums on this show as possible. Because we are action-oriented people. Number two, we say the Lord's Prayer loud and proud from our lips to His ears so all of heaven can rejoice. And we say it together, folks. So, if you can, please, say it with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And Lord, please, hear our prayers, Lord, as all of us together in this Live from America family gather, more than two, more than three, gather by the thousands, Lord, to pray for our sister in Christ, Deborah Yoakum. As Deborah prepares for surgery, Lord, we ask that you cover her with a full armor of God. Help her prior to, during, and after this surgery. Help her lean on you, Lord, and lean on the word of God for anything that she needs. Ease her pain. And Lord, please let her know through prayer that we are all praying for her and that we love her. In Jesus' name, amen. Woo! Boy, it always feels better after doing some prayer, doesn't it? Feels like you get your juices flowing. A lot of people guzzle a Red Bull to get going. No, 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 no. We go to the gospel on this show, ladies and gentlemen, so get used to it. We go to the gospel here. <clears throat> All right, ladies and gentlemen, first and foremost section of today, Michigan State Senators. Well, what I need to do here real quick is I need to pull up something because I want you guys to see something that's I need you to be able to screenshot if you need to so that you have everything that I can see on my screen at your disposal. And that is all of the phone numbers, all of the contact info for Michigan State Senators. So let's push this over right now. There it is, folks. You have an opportunity right now to save this, screenshot this, whatever you have to do to make sure that you have a copy of this. Blow up their phones demand a full forensic audit for Michigan and uh, the and the Michigan senators names are right here Tom Barrett Eric Nesbitt John Bison jr Rick Outman Kevin Daly John Bumstead jo uh, Jim Runestad Wayne Schmidt Ken Horn Mike Shirky Ruth Johnson Jim Stamus Kim Lasada, 
Lana Feast, Dan Lowers, Kurt Vanderwall, Michael McDonald. I think I'm going to have to change this a little bit so you guys can see the other names here. There we go. Um, Kurt Vanderwall, Michael McDonald, Roger Victory, Ed McBroom, and Dale Zorn. There is all of their names. That is all of their numbers. Yep, I, I just saw that my banner blocked some, so I made it a little different so you guys could see it. Please screenshot this right now, folks. I'm going to give you the opportunity and the time to do this. This comes on the heels of the recall effort that is being allowed to move forward with a, a court of appeals in Michigan. So we have recall efforts, five, six different petitions to recall going around to recall Governor um, Gretchen Whitless. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we need to make sure the senators there do a full and complete audit of the vote, just like they're doing in Georgia, at least in Fulton County for right now, and just like they're doing in Arizona, and they're going to push for the Arizona audit to be statewide rather than just Maricopa County, and I think we're pushing for the same thing right here in New Hampshire. So again, there it is, folks, in its entirety, a good way for you and I to be able to reach out to these guys every single day, because you know as well as I do, phone calls, emails, and pressure is working and it's exactly what the democrats do and it's exactly what we're starting to do now and we're seeing change because of it the democrats have given us the playbook and we now know how to get things done louise rose says i just got suspended from facebook for saying stupid white people 30 days for that (laughs) stupid white people (laughs) Mm. (laughs) got banned for saying stupid white people huh Oh, folks, do me a favor and please share this video to Facebook just to get them upset, just to get Mark Zuckerberg mad. And again, folks, a lot of the reason why um, we are uh, missing a lot of our audience uh, is A, because they don't maybe not have Rumble, but B, uh, they don't realize how the Rumble app works they don't realize how rumble works in a, in a whole as a whole but it's our job to get it out there folks and especially since i can't really upload anything to youtube because we know what happens if i upload to youtube one more strike in the can and the and the uh the, the the profile is gone for 90 i mean for forever three strikes in 90 days so i'm kind of just like letting that be that doing the show here um as we prepare to get on roku fire stick and real america's voice news all that is going to work in tandem together. And um, 43 Gators says, I'll make those calls. Well, there you go. I'll throw that up there one more time just so that you guys can screenshot it one more time if you have to. There it is. Press pause on your phone or take a picture of your computer screen with your phone so that you have all those numbers. And we'll hit that hot and heavy tomorrow on Live from America at 11 a.m. Now, folks, moving forward, Fulton County. We talked a little bit about this this morning. We are going to give the Dum Dum Award to the security guards who are failing to do security. The one job. You had one job. Security. That means do not let anyone in. Do not let anyone out. How hard is that to understand? It is your job. It's what you get paid for. Unfortunately, security guards seem to be nowhere around when this alarm went off. Here's what I don't understand. Is why did the alarm go off and when did it go off? If it says the door was open for hours, we now have a picture of the door that was open. So, let's go ahead and pull up this video real quick. Or not this video, but this page. So that we can read it together. Fulton County Georgia Ballot Storage Facility was left open for hours. Attorneys 
own hired staff discovered the place wide open. Here you go, folks. There's the door. There's a picture of the door completely wide open. Isn't this amazing? So it says, was left open for hours. So when did the alarm go off and why did the alarm go off? If the alarm had gone off when the door was, let's say, opened, and it took police five minutes to get there, then why on God's green earth was the door left open for hours? If the alarm went off after the door was open for hours, why did the alarm go off? Lots of questions, folks, but there it is. There's a picture of your door wide open. Let's read a little bit. Yesterday, we reported on the facility in Fulton County, Georgia, where an alarm went off and it was found wide open. The building is where the election ballots are kept in the county. The same election ballots, folks, that they're going to be doing the audit on to find out how many fraudulent fake ballots there actually were. Again, this is what we're dealing with. This is a picture, as you can see, Emerald Robinson tweeted, this is a picture, or this is a picture, is that the attorney provided of the door left open at the supposedly secure building where ballots are being kept. Isn't that incredible? CD Media is all over this story, it says. They reported that attorney Bob Cheeley is the plaintiff attorney in the Fulton County, Georgia election fraud case. The case is working its way through the court of Judge Amaro in Henry County having been moved out of Fulton County for procedural reasons. 147,000 batch of mail-in ballots and envelopes, folks. And that door was left completely wide open. So, the security guards, or lack thereof, are going to go ahead, and everybody in Fulton County that is trying to cover this up. Dum-dum award of the day. How do you fail at your one job to keep the place secure? But again, if the alarm went off when the door was opened and it took police five minutes to get there, I mean, I don't have to be Columbo here. I don't have to be Dick Tracy. I don't have to be Bruce Wayne, the best detective in comic book history, to figure out, okay, if the, the alarm went off and the police took five minutes to get there, then why was the door left open for hours? And if the alarm went off after the door was left open for hours, then how did the alarm get triggered? Why didn't the alarm get triggered when the door was open? What left it open for hours before an alarm was triggered? You see the problem here? You see the uh, the discrepancy in the stories that are being told here, folks? What is going on? We still don't have any idea if anything was stolen. But I guarantee you they're going to come out tomorrow and say, Ah, oh, well, it seems we've lost all the ballots that you guys were about ready to do the forensic audit on two days after the Swamp Donkey Democrats hired a criminal uh, defense uh, uh, law firm who got Ray... Uh, can't even remember the net guy's name. The football player for the Baltimore Ravens uh, when he you know murdered people and got off on it or supposedly murdered people and then got off on it. Well, the same defense attorney, the same defense firm was hired by the Fulton County Board of Elections in a civil case. And then this happens two days later. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. Exactly. Liz says Sherlock Holmes is on the case. You don't need to. You don't need to be Sherlock Holmes. My four-year-old daughter could figure this out. Something smells in the kitchen. And it's 
rat. Swamp donkeys and rats. Thank you, Carol. Ray Lewis. I appreciate that. Now, we're going to move on from that. I just wanted to show you a picture of the door that was left completely wide open. Just blew my mind. Blew my mind. Now we're going to show you the Smarty Award of the day. Actually, we got to do the drum roll first. Where's that drum roll effect? Here we go. Here we go. Live from America, Smarty Award of the day. The Live from America Smarty Award of the day is going to go to a very, very, very special person right here in the state of New Hampshire, everybody. Let's move this over. New Hampshire citizen Chow Kelly fights for fair elections today, quote, because we know what it's like to lose the country to communism. There is this wonderful young lady right here who became a legal immigrant to the United States, done it the right way. And this is why we give her honor. This is why we are highlighting her story today. And there she is right there, fighting very hard for election integrity, right here in my home state of New Hampshire. Let's get into this. Says here, Americans who... Let, I, I got to get rid of some of this stuff here. Uh, no, get rid of this ad. Skip ad. Get rid of this ad. We wanted to take a moment and share the story of one American in New Hampshire, Chow Kelly, a political refugee from commu communist Vietnam, who has been a part of the, of the large, very determined, and very vocal group of patriots in Windham, who, by the way, it is Windham, not Wyndham, uh, in Windham and throughout New Hampshire, who fought hard for an audit of that town's 2020 election. Given the inadequate and even unethical outcome of that audit, these same patriots... And now even more of them have begun the fight to have the entire state of New Hampshire's election forensically audited. That's what we're pushing for, ladies and gentlemen. And you want to know what's sad? Is we have people who came here from other countries who understand what real communism and socialism looks like. Let's keep reading here. Recognizing the, uh, that honest and trustworthy elections are not only worth fighting for, it is essential that we do so to protect and preserve the republic. These everyday Americans in the town of Windham, New Hampshire, like those in Maricopa County, Arizona, Fulton County, Georgia, Antrim County, Michigan, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and elsewhere, have all taken to the battlefield in their hometowns against corrupt elected officials, including governors, Secretary of States, Attorney Generals, County Boards of Supervisors, and Selectmen, Federal, State, and County Election Officials, and even one County Sheriff. And ladies and gentlemen, there she is again. There she is again. Let's make her face known and highlighted. Chow Kelly, who understands exactly what the heck is going on with countries trying to change themselves into socialism or communism by elected officials who've gone completely rogue and who are in the back pockets of the CCP. Okay? She's doing a wonderful job, and we here in New Hampshire are not going to let up on this. Now, before I bring in my guest of the night tonight, and you guys are going to be very, very happy with the guest that we have here. His name is David Shatokis. Shast <laughs> Hold on a minute. David Shastokis. I always get that. We, we, we had a great time with him on, on the last leg of the America Freedom Tour, uh, the Save America Freedom Tour, and I got to know him very, very well, and he's right up there with the, with the intellect of, uh, of a guest that we had on last week uh, by the name of, of, of um, uh, Phil Klein, and uh, we had, I had some great talks with him. Uh, David Shostokis is an author. He's, he's also a former um, state's attorney in Cook County, Chicago, and, and he's a one of the one of the most 
intelligent historians I've ever met. But before we get to David Shostokas, I do want to show you a clip. Now, you guys know who Judge Joe Brown is, right? Judge Joe Brown had a show on TV for a long time, but he was an actual judge. Now, there is a little bit of language in this video, nothing really bad, but if you do have children watching, I do want to let you know now that there's a couple of swear words, nothing really big, uh, in this video, but this is Judge Joe Brown, okay, telling a former basketball player on a podcast, but the world, his view of Joe Biden and what he has seen and heard from his own earballs and his own eardrum, eyeballs and eardrums, of things that Joe Biden has said that are completely racist. And he has no love lost for Mr. Joe Biden. You know, the illegal resident of the United States. The resident of the White House, Mr. Corn Pop himself. Mr. Pedophilia himself. So, I'm not about to cuss. The video's about to cuss. This is Judge Joe Brown telling Kwame Brown that he was there when Joe Biden made his racist segregationist speech. And I won't say any more. I'll let the video do it, say it for itself. So here we go. Joe Biden, who mm -hmm. got up there and when the speech he gave, I mean, I was really offended. I heard it right outside the state capitol building in Dover, which mm -hmm. was a rundown, ransacked old house, 250 years old. Mm -hmm. And he said, Negro children are like roaches. If they're allowed to integrate the schools, they will infest them and they will never be gotten out. Negroes. Joe Biden said that? Yeah. I heard it. Saw him. Mm. He said, Negroes were animals and they turned the streets into jungles. And he and Senator Eastland had a plan where they could put all of these Negro animals in zoos. Now, we talk about the 94 crime bill. That wasn't shit. The 91 was bad. The 91 was really bad. The 81 was the one where one rock got you five years, which due to some other stuff, Biden and Dennis and Eastland did. It wasn't five years with parole. They abolished federal parole. So you get five years, you get 60 months, and you get released with all good and honor time at 56 months from federal custody. And then there was, that was the 81, when then there was a 79 and the 77. So let's give blame where blame is due. That bastard has been a racist dog, and he used to talk about he understood the Negro because he was raised in Delaware. Mm. And he said, Delaware was a proud slave-owning state mm. that basically copped out by not going with the South during the rebellion as it should have because they were too close to D.C. to not be intimidated. Mm -hmm. So I listened to this racist dog. I kept up with him because I was practicing criminal law, and federal criminal trials became almost a lynch thing because of what is allowed, by the way. If you ever get interrogated by the feds, never say, I don't know what happened. I don't know anything about it. Mm -hmm. Because you will get convicted on one count of an indictment. Wow. So there it is, folks. There it is. You got Judge Joe Brown telling you exactly what he saw and what he heard from our current illegitimate illegal resident of our White House. And we tried to wake people up. We tried to wake up mostly... Um, 
ignorant TDS white liberals during the campaign to show them who the real racist was. We tried. But with big tech and fake news media and all of the other people that are working together in, in, in the swamp, it was, it was impossible to get that message out because they were stopping you at every single turn. Okay? And, uh, you know, we can only do what we can do, folks. I mean, we can try our hardest to get the truth out there, but that's what these shows are all about. And that's why they ban us, literally, <laughs> everywhere we go. All right, so I'd like to bring in my guest tonight, folks. Uh, I, as I said, I met him on the last leg of our Save America Freedom Tour. He uh, graced us with his presence on the bus. I'm very glad he did because we got to have some great conversation on the bus. I learned a lot. I'm pretty sure I'm going to learn a lot more in the future with this with this, uh, with this uh, gentleman here. And again, uh, author, former state's attorney of Cook County in Illinois, Mr. David Shostokis. Uh, David, thank you very much. How are you doing today, my friend? I am uh, doing very, very well, my friend. It's nice to nice to see and hear you. It's great. Uh, thank you so much for the invitation. Uh, thank you very much for coming on. Um, I, I know that uh, you and I had talked a little bit before the show came on, and uh, one thing that we wanted to make sure uh, that we do today, both on air and off air, is give our honor and our love and our attention to our men and women who have fallen um to and sacrifice their lives so that you and I could have what we have today and I know that you have had uh members in your family um who've also made that ultimate sacrifice can you talk a little bit about that and uh and what memorial day means to you before we get started today sir yeah certainly memorial day is a very special day to uh, it should be a special day to all of us uh, as you know, uh, Jeremy, I devote good chunks of my efforts uh, these days to uh, educating people about the Constitution and uh, the founding principles of our uh, of our country. And uh, frankly, without people, the million people that have been uh, willing to uh, make the ultimate sacrifice, uh, I wouldn't have an opportunity to do that, and uh, we wouldn't have uh, these principles uh, that. We have lived under for the last 240 years, and those principles, uh, hopefully, that we're going to protect going forward. You know, we have a duty to living, have a duty to make their sacrifice uh, important and worthwhile by uh, living with and protecting that Constitution in our daily lives in the way that these uh, these individuals have, in fact, uh, given their lives for that. Seven years ago, my uh, great-nephew, uh, Troy Myrie, uh, Troy was a uh, staff sergeant in the uh, in the Marines, and in Afghanistan in the summer of 2014, he uh, in during the course of combat operations, uh, Troy uh, Troy lost his life, and I know um, my niece uh, Yvette lives every day. You know she's uh, she's a great gal and she uh, does her work and goes about her life, but I know that her the loss of her son weighs upon her each and every day of her life as well. And they, we not only need to thank the, uh, thank the folks that themselves who have passed and have been fallen, but the, uh, the families that, have, that were so close to them and that they are scarred each and every day from the sacrifice of, the, uh, of folks like uh, my great nephew, uh, Troy Myrie, Staff Sergeant in the United States Marines. Well, sir, uh, I, I want to uh, extend uh, my prayers uh, for everybody that uh, in your family who's gone through that. 
Um, and I'd like to just thank you very much for highlighting that today um, as we uh, as we get ready to have this interview. And so thank you very much, and I appreciate it very, very much. Um, now, let's get to talk a little bit about something that um, that we were talking about on the bus while we were on the Save America Freedom Tour. And that was the stealing of elections. And we were talking about how this isn't the first time that something like this has happened. This is not the first time something like this has happened. And you brought up JFK. So when you brought up JFK, it was really interesting to me. And I never had heard about this before. And I brought it up on my show today. But you actually said that there's a prequel to JFK stealing the election. So I'd like to talk a little bit about that today so that people can... Uh, can can get can get educated on what happened again. We know that that history is is doomed to repeat itself, and we also know that's why they continue to try to bury it. Can we talk a little bit about that today, uh, David? Yeah, we'll be happy to talk about it. You know, as an aside, there's kind of an interesting quote uh, from uh, then uh, former Ambassador uh, Kennedy, his uh, John Kennedy's uh, dad, who uh, talked about what kind of budget they were going to have for. Uh, uh, to win the election. And uh, his father uh, advised him, he says, listen, I do not want you to buy one more vote than you need to win. Uh, you know, and, uh, and it was, uh, it's kind of a traditional joke in that respect, but it's not a joke at all. As you, as people probably remember from history, although we do not uh, study history properly, uh, John Kennedy's uh, vice president was Lyndon, uh, Lyndon Johnson, Prior to uh, running as vice president with uh, John F. Kennedy in 1960, he was the uh, majority leader of the United States Senate. How he got to the United States Senate is uh, fairly interesting because in 1948, he was running uh, for the United States Senate in a Democratic primary. And Texas was a Democrat state, and so the, so the situation of winning the Democrat primary was akin to winning the election. There was no way the Republican was going to win the election, so... In the Democrat Party, he was running against a former governor. Uh, Johnson was a sitting member of the House of Representatives, and he was running against a former governor by the name of Coke Stevenson. Stevenson was and remained a popular figure in Texas politics, and when uh, Johnson announced that he was going to run the first poll out, said um, he was going to get trounced 68% to 19%. Finally, come election, uh, election day in the Democrat Party, Stevenson had won. Uh, a little bit in the initial count by a very, very thin margin. And how thin it was, was that six days later, there was a ballot box that was found. And it uh, was known as the Precinct 13 ballot box. And there were 202 votes in that ballot box. And interestingly enough, along with those 202 votes were the uh, folks that checked in, to checked in to vote in Precinct 13. And those votes and those people in Precinct 13, strangely enough, voted in alphabetical order. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They all showed up randomly and voted, but they voted in alphabetical order. This ballot box from Precinct 13 had 202 votes in it. And those 202 votes were uh, Johnson, 202. Coke Stevenson, zero. Wow. And uh, John Lyndon Johnson won that Senate uh, Senate campaign in uh, 1948 by 87 votes. Wow. And that ballot box was found six days after the election was over. So 
It's uh, so Johnson got to the United States Senate in 1948 via this unusual election show. Well, let me let me just stop you right there, David. Let me let me talk about something real quick here. So so what sure. you're so it, it, we're drawing a lot of comparisons here to what happened just now in 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 uh, 2020 because you had you know. Eight, seven, eight, nine hundred votes come in all for one person. That is statistically impossible, number one. Right? I mean, you can get the best statisticians, you can get the best number count, you know, people that are just, you know, accountants, whatever, and they'll all tell you that that's, that's pretty much impossible. I mean, like the point, 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 zero, 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 whatever chance of that ever happening. So that happened. We also had mail-in ballots that didn't have any folds. We had alphabetical orders. We had down-ticket votes where they did not, where, I mean, the lack thereof, I should say, where they just voted for, for Biden. And all of those happened to be pristine mail-in ballots that were never folded. And then, you know, the same kind of trickery and tomfoolery where they just happened to find you know, a box of votes six days later or find, you know, thousands of votes, you know, four hours after they stopped counting and all the... So, I mean, it sounds very familiar to what happened here in 2020, which is, you know, 80 years later. A lot of comparisons there. A tremendous amount of comparisons. I think the important thing to realize, for people to realize, when folks say that there was no, that there was no election fraud, elections are pristine, this has been going on ever since there's been elections. You know, for thousands of years, this is not not a new phenomenon. What's new, of course, is we have somebody that's willing to stand up and fight about it, and uh, give uh, give give energy to those of us that uh, wish to uh, be engaged in that battle. And I think that's what's important. And but these are the elections like this actually literally change history because uh, Johnson's Senate election without that Senate election in 1948. He doesn't get to the United States Senate. He doesn't become uh, John F. Kennedy's running mate in 1960, which now brings us 12 years later. And uh, 12 years later, uh, we can we can we can examine Texas in uh, 1960. But the more famous uh, portion of this is actually Illinois and Richard J. Daley. Uh, Cook County, which is the Chicago area. And you, and just to stop there, you were the former state's attorney in Cook County, and you know a lot about, uh, and I'm from Illinois too, so you know a lot about our biggest city in Illinois, Chicago, and the history of politics there, correct? I know quite a bit, yeah, because I was, in fact, a uh, Cook County state's attorney at, uh, at one point. That's exactly right. So I've been involved in that. And I grew up here in some been involved in it forever, and um, strangely enough, uh, this 1960 election, I was eight years old. It's the first presidential election that I actually have some uh, working memory of, uh, you know, so I remember uh, bits bits and pieces of the campaign. Uh, so I was, uh, you know, I was I, I was alive and, and have memory of, uh, of this. So, and that's, that's, of course, the problem these days is we don't teach history, and so the, uh, the folks that, in fact, like myself, who have memories... Don't um, don't get to share them, and we don't. So we don't have an institutional memory uh, as a, as a country that we should have, and that's what we need, you know, so that we can uh, overcome and do something about these kinds of things that happen in uh, happen in 2020, literally 60 years later than 1960, and 1960 has this familiar familiar ring to it. Uh, there were two uh, in Cook County. In 1960, there were two system, systems of voting. One was a uh, one was a machine tabulation, and the other one was, in fact, old paper ballots that were counted by hand. 
And at the early evening, when the polls closed at seven o'clock here in Chicago, and by nine o'clock, Kennedy had a 300,000 vote lead in Cook County. But overnight, and it was neck and neck, and a bit between him and Richard Nixon, and at different points in time, his votes came in, because most of downstate was also paper ballots, but his votes came in from downstate. Everybody would ask the mayor daily, well, when are your votes, when are the rest of your votes coming? It takes time. They're all in the river wards, and it's time to communicate. What Mayor Daley was doing was waiting for the votes to come in from the rest of the state, so in fact, he could determine how many votes he needed to have John F. Kennedy carry the state of Illinois. And in the morning, what had been a 300,000 vote lead for John F. Kennedy was a 450,000 vote lead for John F. Kennedy. Wow. Wow. And ultimately, Kennedy was deemed to have won the state of Illinois, and at that time, it's 27 electoral votes by 8,803 votes. Wow. So they did exactly what they did here in this election, in the fact that they had to wait until the polls closed, and the counting was actually done for them to see what margin of votes they needed to win by, but then they had to keep in mind, okay, it's got to be within, you know, it's got to be, we got to be able to justify this somehow. So we got to be able to have them come from somewhere. They got to be able to be attached to people's names. You know, that's a, that's a whole nother conversation to have. Yes. But, but let's just go back to what I just said. They had to be able to, they had to see what the actual count was first. And then they, they put in as much as they needed to make it believable that he won. And you're saying that they did this in Chicago, but don't, didn't they also do this in like Texas? I mean, it wasn't the same thing done in Dallas or something. The same thing was done in Texas, largely actually across the state in a different kind of way, because there were some technical, technical things that they found wrong with votes that were cast for Richard Nixon and the same technicalities regarding the printing of certain ballots around the state that, uh, had had issues with the Kennedy votes. They didn't count. They didn't throw out those Kennedy votes. Uh, they threw out somewhere between. Nobody's quite sure at this juncture, but it was between a hundred thousand and two hundred thousand votes for Richard Nixon in the state of Texas. And similarly situated votes for Kennedy were not thrown out. And uh, Richard Nixon lost uh, lost the state of Texas by forty six thousand votes in uh, nineteen sixty. Wow. So between Illinois and Texas. The election was shifted to John F. Kennedy rather than Richard Nixon uh, during the course of that time, and so it's uh, it was the, so it precisely uh, precisely the same uh, same goings on as uh, went on later. The uh, the problem uh, turned out or not the problem. Let's say the situation was that Nixon was uh, still a young man. Politics was his life, and uh, he did not want to be branded a sore loser. And as you can see, ultimately he came back and returned. But you can. But actually, the fact is, is how pivotal the smaller elections can be. Mm. Because if not for the election in 1948, Lyndon Johnson is not on the ticket with Kennedy. Lyndon Johnson is not in a position to uh, manipulate Texas in 1960. And so uh, there's 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 all kinds of things that that happen together. So yeah, it's it's the same. The business is no different. Uh, all we have different is, in fact. A, a guy like uh, guy like President Trump that doesn't have his eyes on a political future, 
that his only eyes are on that what's good for the country and, and stealing elections clearly is not good for the country. So, and so there's a lot of things. And, and, and of course, we're, we're blessed with the folks that are uh, doing things in Arizona and Fulton County, uh, Georgia, and, uh, and of course, uh, Matt DiPerno, an actual a real patriot up in Antrim County, Michigan. There's uh, there's plenty still going on. We'll see if anything happens. I don't, you know, as uh, you know, and I don't know if your audience knows, but I was involved in uh, things in Pennsylvania for five weeks. I testified before the Pennsylvania Senate. I have an outstanding um, request as to whether or not I will go back and testify again. So there, there's there's some uh, some belief that there's more things going to happen in Pennsylvania. So we are blessed with a situation that we've got a um, we've got a, a felon in President Trump that does not have, um, say, a political incentive to roll over like uh, like Richard Nixon did, like uh, perhaps uh, you might even argue that Al Gore did. Sure. Certainly, we've got the and it goes back to 1876 with. Uh, um, Benjamin Harrison and Samuel Tilden, if uh, if you want to think about that, but of course we don't teach that stuff, Jeremy. Well, you know, because we got it, we have to bury that stuff, right? They have to bury that stuff because they don't want us to understand how to beat them. And it's funny because I'm not saying that Republicans are off the hook here because they're not. You just mentioned Al Gore and George Bush, and I get it, but it seems like Democrats have been the party of slavery, the party of cheaters, the party of liars, and literally the swamp of Washington for. Since the beginning of time, and that's why they hated when the Republican Party was uh, was created. That's why they hated uh, Abraham Lincoln. That's why they hated Richard Nixon, and they demonized him and forced him out as well. And uh, and the funny thing, and not the funny thing, but I think the ironic thing is here is that we're talking about John F. Kennedy stealing the election, which the prequel of that was Lyndon B. Johnson stealing the Senate seat, and then he becomes vice president, and then just you know. Ironically, and we won't get into the conspiracy theory here, but John F. Kennedy is murdered, assassinated, and guess who becomes the president of the United States of America? Yes, and none of that happens but for the ballot box found from Precinct 13 six days after the uh, election between Lyndon Johnson and Pope Stevenson. Wow. And so none of, none of what you just said, none of what you just went through happens without those. 202 ballots that came in that were all uh, in alphabetical order, that the registration had been uh, registered. These folks had all voted in alphabetical order back, way back in 1948. So don't let people tell you that there, it's not important to keep an eye on each and every little election because they all have consequences. Yeah, well, I mean, and so the, the addition of Dominion or any kind of machine just helps them even further cheat. Um but we definitely need to get back to paper ballots. We definitely get, need to get back to people actually counting these things by hand. Um, but I think the main thing that we're, we're focusing on here is stealing elections is not new. What is new, what is new, though, is how far we're going with exposing and revealing the steal now. I don't believe, and you, you would know better than I would, David, but I don't believe there's been a time in history that anybody has followed this rabbit hole and followed the path to reveal this steal as much as they're doing right now. And I mean like nationwide. And I don't think we have anybody to thank for that 
other than President Trump. When he said the best is yet to come, I get so upset with people thinking, oh, President Trump left us. He could have done something. He could have done this. He could have done that. Look, the guy's one guy. He had to follow. He had to do it a very specific way. And of course, he's got his safety, his family's safety that's in the, that's in the, the, the mix of all this as well. And I think the best is yet to come is him coming back with a full cavalry of people who are uh, informed and not uh, no longer uh, ignorant to what happened and how to win. What do you say uh, about that? Well, I'm, I'm going to go back to one other thing on 1960, because everybody talks about the fact that there were no, uh, no judicial findings. Uh, the, the judges uh, got rid of cases and things like that. In the aftermath of 1960, 677 people were indicted for election crimes in Cook County, Illinois. Wow. 677 people. Interestingly enough, every single one of those cases got assigned to one judge. And that judge was a friend of Richard J. Daly's. <laughs> of course. And each and every one of those 677 cases of indictments for election misconduct were all dismissed by a judge who was the friend of the mayor. Wow. So I'd like you to take that and you can see history is so important for people to understand. If they if they take if somebody had some knowledge of that, then they wouldn't go around accepting this thing about well, no judges uh, found anything wrong, you know. Yeah. Because uh, I, as, as you know, I had personal experience where I was scheduled to testify in Pennsylvania, and the judge uh, judge canceled the hearing that I was supposed to be testifying at when nobody asked him. Now they had the uh, other team and the Trump campaign. Nobody asked him to cancel the hearing that I was scheduled to testify at. Two days later, I was in court with the mayor on uh, on a Tuesday. I was scheduled to uh, testify on Thursday, and that that hearing was dismissed by the judge all on his own. So uh, wow, you know, it's uh, and I and I draw that parallel to the six hundred and seventy seven six hundred seventy seven. They were all dismissed. Wow. So, so, uh, so, so, so David, so let me, let me ask you real quick before we switch gears here, cause we got about five minutes left to be able to, yeah. to have a conversation here, but bef- let's, before we switch gears here, um, would you say when somebody says from the left or you have Don Lemon or Chris Cuomo or any of these other, uh, dum-dums, uh, when you say you have no proof, show me the proof, show me the proof, show me the proof. Well, I could go, you, you and, and me and many others could go through and, and give you proof all day long, right? But would you say that the number one thing to argue that uh, claim that we have no proof is the very simple fact that the sole jurisdiction of making election laws in a state and changing election laws belong to the state legislature alone and by circumventing them the way they did, that was probably the biggest tell right there that they stole the election? That is the big, that would, would be the easiest and biggest reason just to call the election off. Bam! Because everybody's looking at proof. The only proof you need in, uh, let's say, Pennsylvania, was that the Pennsylvania Supreme Court said you don't have to check signatures. That's completely contrary to Pennsylvania law, in which case every vote that was counted that signatures were not checked should not have been counted. That's the easiest thing. Because the legislature is the only one in the Constitution that has the authority to set election law. So you're absolutely right, Jeremy. That's uh, that's that's all there is. And strangely enough, at this juncture, the legislatures are the only ones, the only ones that can correct it. 
because they have what the, what's called plenary authority relative to the electors clause in the Constitution. And nobody has greater authority than they have. And nobody has the authority to overturn their decisions either. Yep, that's and and that's what we and that's what I've been trying to that's what I've been trying to just educate people on. You know, I mean, I'm not a I'm not a constitutional scholar like you. I'm not a historian as I, I'm not as well versed as you are. But I'm learning. And the one thing that I did take away from this entire election fiasco was the state legislature being pushed aside and treated like a dirty dish rag when they're the ones that had all the power uh, to do everything, which is why I've been encouraging, which is why we're traveling from state to state, encouraging people to get involved. If there's nothing else that we do on this um, Save America tour that we're out on, it's just to pump some red, white, and blue and some uh, back into the into this country and, and to pump a little bit of education on how powerful the state legislation really is. Absolutely, and I'm looking forward to uh, seeing you at the end of the month here in Illinois. Uh, this is going to be really exciting. We're setting up a, a, a day here with the tour uh, where we uh, are going to be at the site of, in Ottawa, Illinois, at the site of the very first Lincoln-Douglas debate. Beautiful place. We're going to have wonderful people. I'm really excited that you guys are coming to uh, see, uh, see us here in the Midwest. Uh, and I know uh, folks that think we're in a blue state, they're are really pretty wrong and the folks that are going to come out to uh, be part of that uh, be part of that event are going to be really really excited to be uh, participating in that. Yeah, so I'm really I'm excited about that too and I'm excited to come home, you know, cuz yes. I I call the state of Illinois uh, well, I don't call it home, but it is where I'm from. So, yeah, I guess, you know, I'm excited to get back there. So, let's, we got a couple minutes left here, Dave. Let's quick talk about the 17th Amendment. Now, you were talking quite a bit about the 17th Amendment on the bus. And if you said if it was one amendment that you could get rid of, it would be the 17th Amendment. Can you explain to my audience what you meant by that? Sure. Before the 17th Amendment, in the original construction of the Constitution, senators were chosen by state legislatures. And that, that that sort of divided power in uh, in Washington in three in three fashions. One was the House of Representatives were to indi- represent each individual small groups of people in the election in terms of smaller districts. The president was to represent the nation as a whole, and the state uh, and the Senate was not supposed to represent people or individuals. That's to be done by the House. The Senate was to represent the states. In which case, things like uh, all the unfunded mandates that, uh, that are imposed on the states that we complain about uh, would be uh, completely different. They wouldn't take place if the, uh, if the senators were responsive to the governors and the state legislatures. And what happened out of that was presidents were able to appoint judges to the federal bench with an expansive view of federal power and central government because now senators are now elected by the people at large, and all they are is glorified representatives because all their whole whole job is to do is essentially to uh, bring home the bacon, like the bringing home the bacon for each little congressional district. And if you think about it for a moment, Jeremy, when uh, somebody, Illinois has got 11 million people, somebody represents 11, who do they represent if they represent 11 million people? Nobody. They represent the people that give them the money to advertise to the 11 million people. That's who they represent. Wow. But if they were going to represent the state legislatures and they could be recalled, you actually would have more more power by talking. We've got uh, 118 uh, representatives in the Illinois House. If I was unhappy with uh, Dick Durbin, I could go to my legislator and say, listen, I want you to recall Dick Durbin. I would have more, more power 
if the legislatures were picking those guys then. And so it just upset the entire system by making the federal government the center of everything. Well, which is what now the spring. Now the judges were federal, central federal power. The Senate was central federal power. The House was central federal power. And of course, all they've done with all their central federal power is defer to the president. So now we've got this sort of aristocracy slash monarchy that's that's in charge. It would not have taken place if not for the 17th. Well, look what they're trying to do with H.R. 1 and S.R. 1. I mean, they're trying to further empower the federal government to have say-so over the states. And we are closer and closer to the British rule. We're closer and closer to exactly what we fought so hard to get away from. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it makes me want to throw up how, how, how incredibly ignorant... Uh, that we've become as a nation and how we've let these swamp donkeys and these rhinos yes. do this to us. Yeah, there's a bundle of people there that, for whom politics is not public service, but rather uh, family business. Well, and that's what we need. We need to get it back to public service, David, you know, and, and I thank you for, for, for doing what you have done. Um, I want to thank you for, for educating me and I can't wait to spend some more time with you. Uh, when we come to Illinois, and hopefully you'll be able to, you know, hopefully your schedule will allow you to go to other places with us. I think you're needed. Uh, I think Real America's Voice needs to get you, uh, you know, get you on the payroll or something, get you, <laughs> because, you know, when you go when you go somewhere armed with a with a, uh, a constitutional historian, a former uh, state's attorney, and 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 just some and it's just somebody who lives and breathes this stuff, you got you got ammo, my friend. Yes, that that really does help ammo. Yeah, and I think I told you before. You should see uh, Ben Franklin behind me with constitutional sound bites. That's my my one book. I've got getting uh, the Declaration of Independence, which is uh, the other one. So we've got a book on both. But the fact is, is I'm really happy about constitutional. I'm happy about both of them. Constitutional sound bites was uh, was 150 questions and answers about the Constitution. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, one of the most valuable things was, of course, I'm a lawyer. And uh, from time to time, I tend to write and talk like that. And but my best editor all of all time in all these situations has been my mom. You know, mom's uh, mom's now 92, but she's been editing my writing for some time. Wow. And if there's anybody that'll tell you, Dave, this is too much like a lawyer. I don't get it. Write it <laughs> so I get it. Then uh, then it's written for, you know, it's written for the world. And uh, sure. nothing better about Everybody looks for endorsements, but if you can say your book is mom approved, uh, I think that's the best thing you can say about it. No, I agree. So, so can you just uh, as we as we finish up the uh, the interview here and the discussion, and and Dave, trust me, I'm going to have you on many more times because I think there's a lot of stuff we need to go we need to go through. But can you just tell people where they can go to follow you on social media and where they can go to buy? Your book, Constitutional Soundbites, or your previous book, but I think that the Constitutional Soundbites is definitely something that everybody should own. Can you just uh, educate the people a little bit on where they absolutely, can go? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, of course, there's my website. I have about 200 articles there at shestokas.com, which is S-H-E-S-T-O-K-A-S.com. And, of course, I'm on Twitter, at Shestokas, uh, S-H-E-S-T-O-K-A-S. And I have a... Uh, for those folks that are still able to be on Facebook, uh, <laughs> is that <laughs> good one? Good one. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I have a Facebook group called Dave Shostokas on the Constitution. We have about 7,000 folks there. Um, and you can join in on the Twitter. I used to actually, Twitter's got 95,000 now. It used to be 135. So Twitter, little by little, they're, they're, they're killing me with little cuts, uh, Jeremy. Um, yeah. You know. But uh, but the, both books, Constitutional Soundbites and Creating the Declaration of Independence, both available for folks on Amazon. Well, sir, I want to say thank you very much for coming on. I can't wait uh, to get back together with you in Illinois at the end of the month. And, uh, sir, you just keep doing what you're doing. I'll keep doing what I'm doing. We'll meet in the middle, and we'll make a difference, and we'll make America truly great again together, my friend. We and, uh, and your audience, you know, I'm... Whatever, you know, there's there, people like you are doing what you're doing. I'm, uh, I'm doing my writing, my speaking. Uh, actually, I'm in court. I'm uh, suing the Illinois State Board of Elections on certain issues for the Illinois Conservative Union. Uh, so, you know, you, there's a lot of people that, that are doing things like yourself and myself that are maybe high profile. But, I, you know, I'm sure you, you, you share this with your audience, but I do speaking and things like that, and we go on the tour. There is nothing that gives folks that are kind of high profile and closely involved in a lot of things the energy that they can have to continue to do that stuff. When except folks like uh, people in your audience, and last Thursday, um, I was a couple of days ago, I was down in Georgia with uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. That's right, and, and 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 a thousand people there, and that's where you get the energy. Sure, that's where you get the energy. I get the energy, and so. Please, uh, what, all your the whole audience, they uh, all need to do whatever it is they can, whatever their skills allow them, you know, because it all helps. It helps. It helps give people that are blessed to be able to be active, to the energy to do that. But it also affects their friends and neighbors. Sure. And so, uh, I'm, Jeremy, thanks for having me. Uh, having me, I look forward to coming back. Well, God bless you, sir. Um, have a great rest of your Memorial Day, and uh, I'll ta- I'll talk to you soon. Okay, my friend. Blessings to all who have lost their lives and all the families that were affected. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, sir. God bless. See you later. All right, folks. There you go. David Shostokas. Wonderful, wonderful human being. Very, very honored to know him. Very blessed to have spent time with him. The gentleman is truly uh, a walking encyclopedia, history book, thesaurus. I mean, everything. It's truly, it was truly an honor to spend time with him. And, um, you know, I can't wait until our paths cross uh, once again. So again, that was David Shostokas, ladies and gentlemen. And if you um, if you don't remember, it's Shostokas.com. S-H-E-S-T-O-K-I-S, Shostokas.com. And you can get his book, um, Constitutional Soundbites. And I think it'll, it'll truly help out. And it'll help him out uh, further his uh, venture as well. So we'll have him on soon again. All right, folks, that's going to end today's Live from America. It's been a wonderful Memorial Day with you. I know a lot of folks have been with their families. They have not been able to join live. But again, if you are watching this video, please let everybody know to watch the replay on the browser or on desktop. For some reason, the Rumble app is just playing the introduction of the show over and over again. And remember, JeremyHarrell.com for everything. You can also go there to watch the video as well. You can go right to JeremyHarrell.com. Press play, and you can watch it there as well if you're having any problems with Rumble. They're all there as soon as the video is done being encoded and ready for play. So God bless you. Thank you very much for your donations. Thank you for shopping at the store. And thank you for putting in the promo code LFA at MyPillow.com. Remember, there are right ways. There are wrong ways. 
But there is only one Yahweh. So stand up tall. Keep your shoulders back. Keep your chest out and keep your head up high. Because you are a child of God. And no weapon formed against you will ever prosper. God bless you. God bless your families. God bless America. And I'll see you tomorrow at 11 a.m. for more Live from America with Jeremy Harrell, the hip hop patriot. Speaking of hip hop, enjoy the song on the way out. See you later, folks. Rebirth of America Been a long time coming and we all learned something that we won't ever give it up No way Long as I'm bleeding, I'ma never stop screaming that we first in America Black, white, brown, all cities, all towns, the rebirth of America Long as I'm living